This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. A scoreline that perhaps didn't reflect the run of play, but for the first time since 2016, City have won their first four Premier League matches of the season. They head into the international break top of the tree as the only side with a 100% record so far. Everything was so rosy, right? It's Monday the 4th of September. I am Amos Murphy. I'm Ollie McCool. And I'm Adam Howard. And this is the City Report Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, for a brand new week, as always, at this time of the show. Long-time listeners will be extremely bored of me saying this, but if you are new, please hit subscribe, hit follow on whatever podcast platform you're listening along on. This episode is brought to you by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds, small-town Welsh football club, is fighting for a chance at promotion. These two Hollywood stars lead a team in the midst of history in the making, while dedicated staff and supporters hold on to a dream of returning the team and this working-class town in Wales to glory. FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres September 12th on FX. Stream on Hulu. Hey, Spotifyers, click or tap the banner to listen to Rap Caviar, the freshest 50 hip-hop songs on the rawest playlist ever. Brought to you by our friends at Stars and the new season of Power Book 4, Force. Watch now, only on Stars and the Stars app. But, Adam, welcome back. Your debut was so good. You've got an immediate return, back-to-back shows. It's a, it's a pleasure to have you back. And it's nice 
not because we don't love him here, but it's nice not to have the other Adam because I can actually just now say Adam. Um, it caused a few problems in my mind on last week's show. So yeah, it's fantastic to have you back. Yeah, great to be back. Like you say, no more confusion with the uh, differentiations of Booker and Howarth. So it's nice and simple, straightforward. Looking forward to build on the debut again. Indeed, indeed. You've already ousted co-founder Booker um, two <laughs> shows in. Um, Ollie McCool, this is absolutely not your first time here, but it's a pleasure to have you with us anyway. Um, how was your weekend? Uh, well, to, to be honest, any weekend in which City winning United loses a good one, isn't it? Mm. Um, yeah, to always. keep it on the football. But yeah, not a bad, not a bad one, really. Uh, nice to, you know, c- come off it for four games on the bounce, all wins, and, and and a trophy in the bag as well. You know, it's not all bad going into the international break for City, is it? Yeah, we'll we'll obviously delve into the fixture itself and what it means for City so far this season in uh, in due course. But I've, I felt like this first part of the season has almost been a mini-season in the sense for City. Obviously, they had the Super Cup, they had the Community Shield, they won one of those two games. Um, but then, in uh, in fantastic fashion, they've, they've won all four of their Premier League matches so far. So I guess we'll get straight into that then, Adam, because even though it was a 5-1 victory, there's plenty to dissect and plenty to speak about. It, it, it's a game that's almost divided opinions somewhat. Um, we'll, we'll start off with the most basic and obvious question, but what was your opinion on the game, on the performance, on the result? Um, I, I guess that's three different sort of factors you can come at it. But in, in general, were you happy? Were you frustrated? Were you buzzing? Do you think City going to win the league by May, uh, by, by March, I should say? Or do you think there is still some little bits that City need to figure out between now and May itself? Well, I remember last season when we beat Fulham at home, that was, that was a last-minute Harlem penalty. It had been a bit of a frustrating day for City and... The players even did a lap of honour after that game. I don't know if that was because it was it wasn't the first game before the World Cup, was it? Because that was Brentford. Um, so yeah. it, there was just a lap of honour, and it was just scenes at the Etihad. We're not quite the same this time. Obviously, it's not a nighttime <laughs> game, so you, you don't quite have that special Etihad atmosphere. It was a bit bit drab at times, but um, particularly the first half, I thought that's probably reflected of the performance because first half I thought we just couldn't get going at all, really. And I think in, across all areas, we just didn't look at it. Um, but I think we'll get we'll probably get onto the uh, the Fulham well the Fulham controversy really the Ake goal I think mm. that kind of decided the game because I think Fulham we saw it at Old Trafford last season in the FA Cup I think that they're probably just a team of hotheads and I think yeah. it was evident after the goal went in they were furious about it and rightly so I have to say that Akanji did seem to be interfering mm. with play um, but then that basically set us for the second half there because once we clicked. Fulham were just exposed for being poor defensively and like we like we were saying we got a 5-1 win which I don't know if we were 5-1 good but defensively I think they were 5-1 bad. <laughs> yeah yeah that, that's a nice way of putting it um obviously it's no sort of saving grace for Fulham that City weren't 5-1 good because that's the scoreline it ended up and I think uh while my Leo said in his his uh I guess it is a post-match press conference, although it was through an interpreter, which made for some fantastic viewing on, on Match of the Day, by the way. I don't think they knew how to deal with that. Um, poor old, uh, I can't even remember who was on Punditry. I think it might have been Danny Mills. Um, but anyway, Ollie, I digress. It, he said himself that it wasn't a 5-1 performance. And, and I guess that was sort of the general mood online and, and from Twitter. There's a lot of people who looked at that, that game and that performance and, and sort of, 
picked a few holes in it. I, personally, I, I felt like City's performance against Sheffield United was immeasurably better. And and I said actually on last week's show, City have played worse than they did against Sheffield United and won by four goals. Just so happens I was uh, vindicated, or at least for my money, vindicated seven days later. Well, yeah, it, it looked like for a moment in the in the Fulham game that you know Mr. Americana himself was going to be City's heartbreak prince, and you know just kind of ruin, it, just put a real spoil in it, much like in the uh, fixture last year. Um, you know, I, I, hmm. it, it felt, at that point I was thinking, oh, just don't, just don't have it as an edgy penalty toward the end of the game, especially after what happened at Sheffield United. But I think that's just kind of what we've come to expect from City. You know that we know they can, we know. City can win games and blow teams away when they're not playing at their best. Um, you know, we create yeah. enough chances to do so. And it was obvious looking at the Sheffield United game last week that Haaland just wasn't, didn't have his shooting boots on, just wasn't there for it um, all throughout the game. But he did he did this time round. And that's the difference. When you've got someone like Erling Haaland in front of goal, who is just that just that brilliant and just latching onto the end of things, creating chances, mm. um, you know, scoring those chances... It, that's what make that's what turns a team winning two one into five one. Um, you, you know, and that's that quite basic to say because he he did just get a hat trick and that's literally what he did in the game. But ultimately, uh, you, you just that's the difference at this club. You know, you can you know the, on another day this could have this could have finished one one or even Fulham nicked, nicking a winner at the end there. Mm. Um, God knows how, but you know, it's just it's it's these things that we've come to expect from City. This kind of game intelligence almost um but also how strong we are at the back now you know yes we conceded a quite a silly goal but mm-hmm. you know in years gone by our heads would have dropped and you know it, it had become a really shaky game the fact that we scored almost immediately regardless of what you think of the goal it was given so ultimately it's impacted the game and it's mm. it's and it's a goal given. we scored at a really important time if we'd have gone in at 1-1 it could have been a completely different second half but going in at 2-1 the confidence is still there in all the team that we're going to win this game we're going to win it easily and then Haaland just did what Haaland does and scores a second half hat trick yeah. um it doesn't really it you know it you know it, it it turned into what could have been a very cruel end to the summer but you know, it was absolutely fantastic. Mm. And, you know, it's never a bad thing knowing that he's got another match ball on his mantelpiece. Yeah, which I noticed um, Scott Carson wrote something like top man, Erling, good human or something like that. Really sort of very basic English, but a really funny, <laughs> um, really funny comment from him on, on his on his latest match ball. Um, let's sort of try and we, we don't usually do this, but it's, it's an extended episode today because we're only running a free podcast schedule this week, obviously the international break. So there's no games to preview or review in, in the next two weeks or so. So we're, we're going to extend it a little bit and we, we don't usually go chronologically um goal by goal by goal but I, I do want to start at that first goal Adam because it was a, a, a really nice move I think Kovacic plays it into Erling Haaland um a few debates whether uh, whether or not Erling Haaland was uh, trying to shoot I think it was as clean cut across towards the back post for Alvarez to really nonchalantly but quite clinically tap home and and it, it felt like at that point it would go on and maybe get two three four without return obviously conceded um what was it about a minute later but it, it was a really nice work goal and I guess we're starting to see the fruits of that Erling Haaland and Julian Alvarez striker combination if you can call Alvarez's position a striker but they're certainly working well together yeah I mean I thought I thought 
I sit in the family stand, you know, not, not the best seat in the house, but... Um, hey, but uh, let me tell you, there are some raucous supporters <laughs> in there. The Poznans and the Pyros in Derby's gone by have, have always been started in the uh, in the family stand. But from where I was sat, I thought Howland initially meant to shoot and he just got it wrong and Alvarez okay. tapped in. And then seeing it on match of the day, I, ultimately, I think I came back to having the same opinion. I saw why people might think he meant to cross it. Mm. I think just the motion of the way he swung his foot at it um but then it comes down to howland rarely gets his finishing wrong so you know you have to <laughs> really think that he, he meant it um but yeah i think i think kovacic obviously created the chance by throwing it through to howland and that's something that we've seen a bit this season already gundogan used to do it a lot looking for howland with those three balls and obviously de bruyne he he lives off howland um and so without him it's good to see kovacic looking for howland again and it it actually came off came to came to fruition this time and Alvarez, he's got those striker instincts to hunt down, run at goal, just to make sure he gets any rebounds like he did. Well, not that it was a rebound, but just getting those mm. right areas, got in between the defence and got a deserved goal. I thought he was a bit of chaos yesterday, Alvarez. People were giving him some criticism. And I thought at times myself in the first half, he was a bit bit hot and cold where some the mm. chance to have counter-attacks in the transitions and he'd mess up the pass. Or, But I think he just... I think he just brings a bit of chaos that you sometimes need. And I think yesterday was a good example of that. And like I said, that first goal, good way to open the scoring. Yeah, certainly. Um, it, it was a fantastic finish, I have to say. Obviously, it looks really simple, but that run to evade the defenders and just arrive at the the, the right time in the six-yard box is, is kind of underrated, I feel. And, and Oli, we'll, we'll pick up on what Adam said there because it... His performance has split opinions. It was it was one of those um, uh, issues I, I sort of hinted to at the start of the show. Alvarez, for me, and, and I was quite shocked when I started seeing people on Twitter after the game criticising his performance, suggesting that he's not bringing enough, saying that he might need to drop out the team. Or, or I think one suggestion was he's simply being played to to appease him or, or you know make sure he doesn't get unsettled or something like that and, and that's something that has never happened under Guardiola granted he wasn't there we'll wait and see when he does return after the international break but token minutes is something that we've never ever ever had with Guardiola it's never happened so you can rule that one out straight away but I was quite shocked when I saw people criticizing his performance granted there were moments in the first half I think he first of all didn't play Doku in fast enough once but sort of like two seconds late the next time he got the ball he did and there was a pass a really sloppy pass that just went straight to a defender other than that it was as good a, as a performance maybe not we've ever seen him put together but for that role what he's been asked to do I, I felt it was absolutely fine Ollie I don't know I don't know if that was just me and, and my vantage point or you know if there was different people seeing different things but I, I was quite shocked it was a talking point saying that here we are speaking about it <laughs> yeah i mean but this is the thing though isn't it someone if people are just going to nonchalantly criticize a player and i mean i i obviously do that every other week in our group every other day in our group chat um but you know every if people hour, are just every other minute <laughs> <laughs> if people are just going to nonchalantly criticize one of our best performing players on the day in my opinion then I think we've got to talk about it because I thought he was brilliant. You know, the thing is, he's still new to this role. You can see with Julian Alvarez, he's he's still a striker. He still wants to make those more striker-like movements. But he mm. knows he's, he knows that's not his role. He's got to do the running behind Haaland. He's got to do a lot of the work that Haaland simply doesn't do. You know, whether that's because Haaland refuses to do it, whether he can't mm. do it or whatever. But the thing is, Julian Alvarez brings an edge to this attack because having someone with his kind of level of finishing, even just you know, five, ten yards back from where Haaland is, 
it adds another dimension to how we get goals in this squad. You know, and look at and look at his look at the couple of finishes he's produced this season. That one against Newcastle, absolute mm. stormer. There aren't many players in our squad who can produce something like that, but Julian Alvarez can. Uh, you know, he he is a pit bull in that kind of area, in that mm. little area, that almost cube around around the goal, around the mouth goal. So you know, I don't get the criticism for him. I think people. Mm. You know, they they people see him as a striker, and we and we have this problem generally in City's fan base that you're seen as your one position, and that's it. Mm. So you know, for a long time, Foden was only seen as a midfielder when he, when he first broke into the team, and then Pep started playing him out wide, and then we realized, oh, he can actually play out wide, and then it was, oh, he can't play on the right, he can only play on the left, oh, he can't play on the left, he can only play on the right. You know, versatility is a huge thing in this squad. It always has been for Guardiola. It's always the way, it's always been the way he's built his squad. He wants players who can play in multiple positions and multiple positions well. Whether we intended when we bought Julian Alvarez and then kept him in the first team last summer to be, you know, as much a mid kind of quasi midfielder, number 10, as much as a striker, I don't know. I doubt it was, mm. the, I doubt it was the case, but he can do it and he's doing it very well. And considering the lack of, you know, real attacking midfielders, goal scoring midfielders that we have in this squad, because because there is a lack of that, and you know we're changing how we're setting up our midfield because of that, um, especially with Kevin De Bruyne out. He's a very very useful asset who's performing to a very high standard, and it's just because he's not getting three goals a game like Haaland does that people find a way to criticise him, and it's just mm. a bit boring at this point. You know, if you can't if you can't enjoy watching someone like Julian Alvarez score goals, then I don't really know what you do in watching football, to be honest, because he is that good and he's proven he's that good. You know, you know, yes, we can all criticise in little nitty bits. Oh, he's not passed fast enough there, but he's not been trained his entire career to be the man, be the man passing the ball to, mm. for the goal scorer. He's been the goal scorer. So it's an adjustment for him, but it's one he's adapted to very, very well and very, very quickly, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I, I had no qualms. Like I said, I was a bit surprised, and and there were moments of sloppiness, but there was moments of sloppiness from everyone in that first half. It was a pretty drab performance, or, or at least until the uh, the major controversial talking point, the, the Nathan Ake goal. And Adam, I, I can't, I don't think I can remember a, a decision that has been widely criticised by the team who benefited from it more than this Ake goal. And and I have seen a few people, don't get me wrong, suggesting that it should have stood under. Their interpretation of the law. Okay, fair enough. We can have a debate for the rest of time about whether or not the offside law is up to scratch. But I, I, I mean, I've played football at not a level of any significance at all, but for the last 20 years or so of my life, I cannot understand at, in, in any capacity how it's been allowed to, to be given. It is a truly, a truly baffling decision. Akanji jumps over the ball. So if that's not interfering, I, I really, really don't know what it is. Thankful we got the goal because obviously it led to the win. But dear me, the, the, the referee is, is left scratch, head scratching already this season and we're only in September. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it was just stonewall really. I, from where I was sitting at first, it, it didn't seem like a lot of goals from corners. Ake is great in the air. You, they just, mm. you know, it's a simple bullet header past the keeper, no no issues, and there's rarely offsides with corners, really, because most players, you know, it's all quite congested. But there, I thought it seemed to kind of... I, I didn't... Obviously, where I'm stuck, I'm right at the other end. I couldn't really make it out fully, make out the, the full picture. Um, but I knew it wasn't like a... I knew there was something that happened that I couldn't quite see there because it, mm. it did seem to kind of stumble in almost. I mean, there's no deflections or anything. It's just the way Leno... 
because I was thinking when I was hearing that I ruined the group chat, everyone saying, yeah, it's definitely shouldn't stand. Then when I mm. see the replay, I'm like, yeah, but I was just hoping that Leno maybe, Leno didn't stutter when he was diving, but then it's clear he does stutter. And, you know, it's just like, people have been comparing it to the Old Trafford game last year mm, yeah. about whether the attackers control the ball. But I think it's just when when the goalkeeper's got to, when the goal could be changes his action because of the actions of someone else who isn't involved in mm. that play, it's just I don't know. I don't, I'm not clued upon the laws on it. I don't do refereeing or anything, but I think even the spectators can see that it's just if that is the law and it's been and it's been in used in practice, then fair enough. But someone's got to change there, and like, we we're seeing it again, poor officiating. And like I alluded to earlier, that just made Fulham lose their heads, and it's cost them the game. And like you say, it's, it's quite obs- obscure to see Harlan yesterday saying that he'd be fuming if it was on the other end. So it's just it, it's, it's baffling how everyone can see it, but that one person in the VAR room. I don't mm. know when it's going to change at this point. And, and and I think it's one of those where I would love to see, or, or more moreover, hear what conversations were being had between the referees in that moment. Because obviously, the um, I think it was Michael Oliver, it, uh, the man in the middle, went over to the assistant referee. They had a two-minute long chat. Then it went to VAR. Um, I, I, I don't know in, in that sequence whether or not Oliver decided to give the goal, which then sort of triggered a VAR check. I guess it probably did. But it was about four minutes, Ollie. And they came to the same conclusion that they, they had done, or, or so they, they gave the goal. So I'm, first of all, I'm not quite sure what they were looking at, what they were checking, what they were deciding, whether or not was was happening or wasn't. But the fact that multiple people have not only seen that in real time, but also on replays, questions what on earth they were doing. Granted, there'll be people listening to this who think it was a valid goal, and and, and you know, fair enough, everyone's entitled to their opinions, but... It could very easily, and it has easily in the Manchester derby, as Adam uh, mentions there, happened to City. And I think if we concede that goal, our debate on today's podcast is much different than than this sort of sort of kind of yeah, Fulham were hard done by. It was a bad decision, blah blah blah. I think would be absolutely raging. Well, Fulham were right to be raging about that. You know, we were all mm. raging about that one in the derby because it's it's not a goal for me. It's it's not. You know, and we can sit here quite magnanimous because it did benefit us and it came at a really crucial time in the game. You know, that is undeniable. City have got away with it there. But ultimately, I think if the game had ended 2-1, you know, even this conversation would be different. You know, I think we'd all mm. be kind of not wanting to talk about it, but knowing we have to and trying to tread on eggshells a little bit. But frankly, it's it's ridiculous to give to give that, and you know the state of officiating this season has been just dreadful. Um, I'm mm. not just saying this as a City fan because we've had a few bad decisions. It's been bad. You can pick out a bad decision in pretty much every game so far, at least all the televised ones. And the thing yeah. is, we were told towards the end of last season. I don't know if you remember this, but do you remember uh, Howard Webb going on Monday Night Football with some tapes from VAR? Saying next season we're going to be releasing that we're going to be releasing the audio we're going to be doing this it's going to be more transparent we're going to explain it and the thing is those clips were cherry picked for that MNF thing mm. and you know if they are going to be releasing audios you can't imagine many people are going to sit through on you know PG, PGMOL's website you know trailing through ninety minute recordings of games mm. or are they just going to release specific clips in which case it's not transparency is it. Um, and the, and the, and this is the problem when all the officials are backing up each other like this because this is what they're doing. You know, Mike Dean admitted it; he didn't want to send his, his mate Anthony Taylor over to the over to the VAR for a hairpull in the, the game way. once. It was you ridiculous. Know, which, one, one. Why would you admit that? 
Two, why on earth would you? Why on earth would you protect your friend over doing your job properly? And now Mike Dean's the guy on you know, make, you know, get explaining referees calls during games for Sky Sports. I mean, for God's sake, it is ridiculous. You know, the man in the middle has made his decision. It's but the VAR should not be inclined to just agree with him and make him look better for it. You know, it's it. You can you can say oh we need mm. to calm down about this but no I'm I'm sick to death of, of VAR and officials ruining games and ruining moments and you know costing teams point could potentially costing teams points in the end here it makes for a worse mm-hmm. product and yes if the thing is if that go, if that goal had been disallowed and that game ended one one we would have been a bit we all, we all would have been a bit annoyed but ultimately the right decision would have been made the right decision wasn't made yesterday and it's cost and it has cost Fulham somewhat whether they would have went on conceded Harlan's hat trick in the second half, we don't know. But, but mm. ultimately, you know, they 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 are completely right to be aggrieved about this. And to be fair, and fairness to Harland, you know, owning up to it, saying I don't think I would have, I, you know, I don't think it's a goal because you didn't hear a single Man United player saying that after the derby last season, and you wouldn't really expect them to after a derby. Mm. But ultimately, they, they know they got away with one there, and City players, City players, and fans should know they got away with one here. The NFL is here, and it's all about the sweet offers from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can pocket $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just 5 bucks on any NFL game. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code FIELDGOAL to sign up. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash football for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. Um, we'll we'll finish on a high, much like City, in that second half of the match against Fulham. Um, as always, if you haven't, please hit follow, please hit subscribe, leave ratings and reviews. It is much appreciated. Um, Adam, then, let I'll, I'll hand it over to you. I'll give you the power. You can decide to start with Doku's debut, Erling Haaland's hat-trick, or the cameos from the substitutes we saw during the game. So um, quite a, a varying uh, few talking points there. But um, which one do you want to start off with? Well, yeah, it's a nice selection. I've got I've got a few of them down on my notes here, actually. Um, oh, lovely stuff. Yeah, I think I'll, coming out of the ground, I was left, like my overwhelming feeling and just overall thought process was just about the substitutes. So... I'd like to start okay. with them. Um, no, that, that's absolutely fine. Crack on. I mean, they didn't come on till the 76th minute, was it? Or something like that? Yeah, and yeah. That it was, was quite late. Yeah, so by that point, we were already... The win was basically there. Bernardo came on and I thought that was, that's the only one you could argue, you know, it's to aid us in seeing out the win. But Bernardo was probably the least notable of the five subs. And yeah, it's funny how we make all five subs when Pep's not there. Um, yeah. <laughs> but but I love the idea of Pep jumping around in his in his hospital hospital room where after seeing Sergio Gomez come in and play like that because wow um, I just because <laughs> Bernardo came on first with Gomez wasn't it, it was Gomez and yeah. seeing all the talk about him 
pre-season after the Euros, under-21 Euros, that is, he had with Spain. Um, and then the questions about City's depth, especially now in the attacking areas with Palmer gone and McAtee gone. I was, I've, I've still thought that Gomez, you know, he might be of use at some point because it's quite clear that he's very talented and he's got mm. he's got the pep attributes, the ones that he looks for in a in an attacker. He's Spanish for one and he used to play midfield, so that's two boxes ticked for <laughs> Pep there. Um, but I think last season he came, I'd like to think that he came under a bit of unfair criticism because, yeah, he did have some shockers. You know, Copenhagen, when he got sent off, that was when he really lost Pep's trust. Mm. Um, and then Southampton was just kind of the final nail in his coffin because, you know, he didn't get trusted at all after that. Um, but I thought there was some bright spots, especially, you know, he got almost an identical assist in the derby last year in the 6-3. Yeah. But I do think the one against Fulham was just a bit better because he just, I don't know if Gomez actually put a foot wrong off the bench. I've not looked into his stats if he's misplaced any passes or anything, but he just seemed to, I wouldn't say he had confidence yet because I think it's impossible to have confidence when you've not, and that's literally the first time he's kicked a ball on a pitch for City this season. Um, but the way he just got past his man, pulled the ball back and absolutely perfectly for Haaland. I mean, I think on match of the day, they seemed to imply that it was an easy finish for Haaland, but I think he just made it look easy because yeah, the way he, for sure. the, he put it in that near post bottom corner, not a lot of room and he just drilled it there perfectly. It's a brilliant finish and I loved how he celebrated with Gomez straight away as well. That It, it was like they they were happy. He was happy for him as, as well as happy for himself mm. to get the hat trick and then talking about the other substitutes, I've said it a, men- a million times before about Rico Lewis. He's just a supremely gifted footballer, and he's just mm. the way he came on. Kind of, he was more of like an eight, wasn't he, in the advanced role, and he just <laughs> like made some a striker touches. And, and a yeah. right winger and just everywhere. And the build up to that goal, I think he touched it onto Gomez. Just he just Rico just blows my mind. The fact that he's eighteen, mm. he can just play like that, like he's been in the team for years. And then Oscar Bob played his role as well, coming on that little jinky run just yeah we've got a lot of talented youngsters and I hope as we, like I said in my last appearance on this podcast with the Champions League group we've got perfect mm. opportunities to use these players more and were they, were they Phillips's best minutes in a city shirt or are the standards just that low I don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah uh, it, it goes over to you quite nicely then I'll like um Calvin Phillips masterclass God, <laughs> am I really the person to be asking about Calvin Phillips? Um, just, just where, where does the bar end for him? And you know, how low does it have to go to where? Like, I mean, I, th- I think I we can no all, we can all gen- He did well. He came on and he came on and did well. Yeah, that's, but, that's how I'm. I'm yeah, but, but but the, but the, but the, the game was done. It's it's like you know it, it felt it just felt like pity minutes to me. You know he, he's clear, regardless of how well he plays. I, I don't think that's the question with it, because you know he, anyone can come on and look good in ten ten minutes for City when the game's practically done anyway. You know what was it? Was he a negative influence on the game like he has been in most of his other appearances for City? No. That's a really that's a really good step, but that just shows how low the bar and how you know far as as me you know especially being as negative as I am about him, but generally just you know wh- where his standing is in this squad. You know, he's, you know when Sergio Gomez is being on bef- was is being brought on before you when you're kind of lumped in with you know Rico Lewis and Oscar Bob substitutions almost like. 
I just I'll I don't jump in. Really I'll know jump in because because you, you've you've I mean you and I have, yeah, have come and save me here. multiple times, um, but I'm, I'm, I'll jump in and say well for starters he took 15 minutes out of the legs of of our world class overused maybe on the verge of an injury we don't know we don't know what his his medical records are like uh, central midfielder in in Rodri so he's not had to play an extra 15 minutes ahead of an international break which is what Calvin Phillips is there to do. He didn't put a foot wrong, granted. It was 15 minutes against the Fulham team. The game was already gone. But that is what he's there to do. That is that is his role. And we didn't see it last year for multiple reasons. We've covered it at length. But I think having not moved this summer, and we can debate the merits of that, we can debate whether or not he should have done, whether he was right to stick around, if for the sake of his career he needs to go and play for Sean Dyche in a relegation battle, or he's actually quite okay sitting on the bench for City and coming on with 20, 30 minutes ago, whatever it might be. But that is what he's there to do. And I, and I think we'll move on and I'm going to refuse your right of reply like a, totali- <laughs> a totalitarian dictator I am. But I think that's exactly what he's there to do. Um, Ollie, I'll stick with you because this should bring some more some more positivity and, and some more smiles to your face. But Oscar Bob, he, he, he's someone who I think we can all agree made a positive impact. Um, that, that's unanimous, isn't it? He, he looked fantastic when he came on. And, and another player, as Adam Aluso, should be able to get some minutes down the line. Yeah, he's, he's a lovely little player. I mean, we all kind of gushed over him in pre-season fixtures, you know, and pre-season's pre-season, you can't mm. read too much into it. But, you know, the, the the biggest the biggest compliment I think you can pay any young player coming into this side is when they come in and they look like they've been playing in this side for years. You know, when it's a, when it's a senior player, um, even a Kovacic or, you know, when Nunes makes his debut or whoever, when they come in, and look like they fit in. That's a that's a really good sign. But when it's a young mm. player who's you know only really played in the academy, it's it's great news. And Oscar Bob is exactly that. Um, he looks like another one of those wingers from our academy. He looks the exact kind of city profile. You know, got enough got enough about him. Unpredictability, mm. a little bit of pace in there. Um, you know, enough trickery in his armory to you know d- you know deceive defenders, which is exactly what you want to see from a young player from a young uh, attacking player. So, and I think, you know, with with Palmer having left, with McAtee being out on loan for the season, there's a few more minutes there for him. I still I still think it's, he's going to be seeing a lot of the five, ten minutes at the end in 3-0, mm. 4-1, whatever wins uh, in games like this. But, um, you know, if he was to start a Carabao Cup game or an FA Cup game or, you know, say the last game in the Champions League group stage when the group's already a dead rubber, that sort of thing... Um, uh, you, would anyone be surprised? I don't think so. Um, but he's clearly got bags of potential, um, and mm. it's very good that City didn't sell another attacking, another young attack, get rid of another young attacking player this summer. Yeah. But um, it's too early to say what his exact future is at Manchester City. But in terms of this season, he's going to. I think he's going to be quite useful in you know just coming off the bench as and when he's needed, playing the odd game here and there. And that's and that's what he needs to do for his development at the moment. It's his first season in senior football. He doesn't need to be, you know, you know, tearing up trees and you know, putting you know Mbappe to shame, for example. Mm. He just needs to he just needs to solidly do his job. You know, not essentially not fuck up, and you know, we're absolutely fine. Yeah, um, I, he, I feel like he's almost going to get minutes by default. Obviously, you mentioned McAtee's gone. You mentioned uh, Cole Palmer's gone, which we covered uh, in last week's episodes. But there is a, a spot there 
if he wants it to be, and if Guardiola wants it to be, of course, for him to do that role of, you know, maybe he is going to get the token minutes, but certainly there will be an opportunity, I'm, I'm sure, of him starting a fixture. I'd be interested to see what it'd be like in midfield because that little that little turn he did in in the sort of in a right position was almost sort of Bernardo Silver esque. Um, whether or not I'm allowed to say that this early on in his professional City career, we'll have to wait and see. But I, I really enjoyed him, and and hopefully we get to see a little bit more of him. Um, right, okay then, Adam. Let's let's wrap um, <laughs> leaving the hat trick hero to last. But it, it seems to be the sort of it seems to be indicative of his time at City, and and obviously he has now matched his goal scoring exploits from the start of the last Premier League season to to these games, obviously. Six goals in four games. It looked like it was going to be another one of them where it didn't come for him. Obviously, he got the assist in the first half, but clinical Haaland, that is what he's there to do. I think he averaged a goal and assist contribution with every four touches. I think he only had something like 17 throughout the whole game. It was, um, yeah, it was, it was another typical Haaland performance, but one we absolutely love to see. Yeah, I mean, like you say, we're leaving this to the end because it's just standard now that Haaland gets hat tricks. Um, Imagine I mean, saying that this time last year, though. Imagine <laughs> saying that this time yeah. last year. I I have an Instagram page and I do play ratings, and mm. I've I've had it's come to a point where I've had I used to just hand out tens if you get a hat trick, but when with Haaland, I'm having to rate each individual <laughs> hat trick based off the other factors of his game, um, and so I took into account those two defensive clearances with his head from like the, the corners or free kicks. Um, and he's just, I don't know, like you say, it's just, you can always, I don't think it's ever happened where you're just so confident that someone's going to put away your chances. I mean, mm. that as soon as Reem made that missed touch and after from the Alvarez pass and Haaland was one-on-one, we've seen him before, I think he did it on his debut at West Ham where he just opened up his body, took it past the keeper, made it look so easy. And the penalty, put it in the other corner, never looked like he was going to miss that. And like I said earlier, the way he took that goal, assisted by Gomez, just... Uh, yeah, I don't get how much mm. they said it was easy because it, 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 it was it was behind him, wasn't it? Yeah, he, he sort of got past a little bit behind him. He had to check his run, wrap his nine foot seven <laughs> legs around it, and eventually curl it in behind uh, Ben Leno, who, by the way, is a, is a very good goalkeeper, mm. and, and City put five past him. So that just goes to show his finishing ability. Yeah, I mean, Haaland scored five against Leno nine, three games, three of which penalties. <laughs> um, but yeah, he seemed to put, he seemed to. Pre- perfectly precisely place it whilst getting god knows how much power behind it as well and i just think mm. a lot of the time it comes down to with harland i always just imagine if those chances fell to gabriel jesus or raheem Sterling. i mean jesus <laughs> at old traffic not uh, at the emirates against united that was a very nice finish but i just think Indeed. no way in a city shirt would jesus or sterling score those chances i think if sterling got that first one where he's one-on-one he'd try and round the keeper or something and then fall over and it's, you, we, we basically wouldn't be strengthening the lead and going on to a, a pretty routine victory in the end. Yeah, definitely. Uh, City, this is a stat from Opta Joe. City scored five goals from just five shots on target against Fulham. They had seven attempts in the whole game. And, and that only happens, doesn't it, Ollie? by having Erling Haaland. I, this conversation has been done before and I don't want to sort of downplay it because it is truly exceptional. Obviously, did he, he get to 50 goal and assist contributions in the Premier League? Obviously, the fastest player to ever do. I think it was he eclipsed 40 goals in, in the league itself. So we're talking about generational numbers and, and our question before the start of the season was, can he keep this up? It'll be interesting to see post-international break because that's when he really started to take off, obviously, three hat-tricks in three home matches. But 
it just looks as if he is at, at very least maintained where he was at the end of last season or maybe not the end of last season because I think he went four home matches without scoring or something like that but it just seems to be that he is shocker not a one season wonder who'd have thought it anyone with a brain um, <laughs> like, but that well, rules just, Michael Owen out anyway doesn't it so uh, well, that, well, that's yeah, but, 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 but there you go isn't it I mean who, who's stupid enough to doubt him anymore apart from you know people with a footballer as their profile picture on Twitter or X or whatever you <laughs> want to call it you know it's it's this simple with Erling Haaland he's the best striker in the world at the moment and there's, mm. no, there's no one near him there's no one putting up these sorts of numbers in a league as competitive as the Premier League um, or in a league as kind of tough as the Premier League, at least. Uh-huh. He's he's an absolute freak of nature. You know, we can call him a robot, we can call him whatever, but he's an absolute freak to watch. You know, and the, and the thing is, every, and the thing is, you know, when rivals on Twitter are saying, oh, but he's only taking 10 touches a game, he's only taking 20 touches a game, I don't care. As long as the touch he is taking is a ball mm. going into the back of the net, you know, I don't really care how many he takes because the team is good. In, the other 10 in the team are good enough to make up for it. You know, we haven't... Who can really criticise City the season after we've won the treble when our striker is maintaining his form is maintaining his form and maintaining the rec- the rates which he's scoring, you know, despite having our star midfielder out injured, despite having lost our former captain, despite having lost a, cult, a club icon in Riyad Mahrez, mm. you know... This t- this team is just going on from strength to strength, and Haaland scoring a similar or if not better rate is just going to propel us to even bigger heights. You know, I think I, I was I was saying I think on this podcast not too long ago that I think we'll have this title wrapped up quite early, um, mm-hmm. and you just get the feeling that Haaland is going to see his thirty six Premier League goals from last season and go, no, I want forty, I want fifty. And with his kind of mentality, he's probably going to go and do it, you know. And and we can all say the benefits or the non-benefits of having the World Cup break last season for him. But mm. I think actually the consistency of him playing and also having to be rotated at times, because that World Cup break pretty much meant he didn't have to really be rotated unless he was injured or had a knock. You know, how he responds to that, how he comes back from that is going to be really interesting. And I think it's going to help him massively, you know. But picking the balance for this side, you know, with Erling Haaland in it or out, or out of it, he's just so he's so easy because he just offers so much threat in front of goal that it's unbelievable. Mm. Um, I, don't, I don't worry about what defenders he's coming up against because he's he's probably scored against them already. Um, <laughs> that's that's the th- that's the thing. I can't think. I genuinely mm. can't think of another striker in the Premier League who's been as kind of scary for other teams um you know Sergio Aguero had, a, had, a, had an amazing record especially against uh, the big six clubs and and you no doubt defenders feared him but they also there's also games when he said shockers against a lot of teams in this league you know Luis Suarez in his time at Liverpool it was the exact same this time there's games where he had shockers um, Mo Salah's had the odd shocker here and there despite you know Liverpool fans proclaiming him as the greatest thing since sliced bread um it's the, it's the nature of football, and there will and there will be games when Harlem becomes unstuck, and he, and you know, for example, the Newcastle game, um, you know, just the other week, you know, he didn't look great in it, but ultimately didn't really matter. Mm. Someone else was there to do the job. 
that's the great that's the great thing about this club. You know, if Haaland does have an off day, there's all there's pretty much always going to be someone else to pick up the pieces. Yeah. But his off days are so few and far between that there's no point even considering them really. Yeah. Yeah, he is a truly, truly phenomenal player to watch and to enjoy and, you know, all of the beautiful adjectives we've already described and obviously picked up UEFA men's player of the year in the week as well, capping off what was last season, a fantastic season. It looks like he's carried it over to this season as well. But we will call it a day there. A massive thanks to Adam and a massive thanks to Ollie. If you haven't already, please hit follow, hit subscribe as usual. Reminder, only three podcasts in your feed this week that's because it's the international break but we'll be back to five when the football returns until next time then thank you very much we'll see you later the talksport fan network is proudly teaming up with free for mental health awareness week this year we understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end of season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running. And just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport, powered by fans.